What I want to talk about tonight is Pesach products. Pesach products, in other words, it comes to what foodstuffs the person can use and cannot use in Pesach and what he has to be worried about. And uh, the different Echsherim and how they apply to Pesach. So I want to start with a story because it very much shows a difference, not just in Pesach, but more importantly, a difference in mentality between how Echsherim work in Eretz Yisrael and how Echsherim work in Chutzlaretz. Uh, if a person goes to Chutzlaretz, you'll find Kimat every single product that you get the whole year round, you'll find for Pesach also. Either it's something which they've made a special, uh, they have, the factories have had a mashkiach who's checked their special Pesach, or even those things which are normally used Hamas ingredients, they, they make sure to have a Pesach alternative. So, for example, if you go overseas and you find for Pesach, you'd find kosher Pesach pizza and kosher Pesach cereal and kosher Pesach pasta. And uh, whatever they've used instead of uh, flour, but the most the, the, the shelves are full of regular supply of food, more or less. When you come to Eretz Yisrael, so you'll see for most of the good Echsharim, so there's a very, very limited supply of things available. Now, so I'm some of the story. I heard the story from Robertson Lawrence, uh, a story which must have happened about 60 years ago. And so she said at the time when she, she was, when she came to Eretz Yisrael, so there was no kosher le Pesach sugar. Now sugar is a pretty important ingredient of a Pesach. So she decided that she's going to go to the head of the Badat, then who was a Pinchas Eftin, and uh, complain to him, why doesn't the Badat give a heksha for sugar on Pesach? So she did that. She said, no, sugar is not chomet, why can't you get a heksha for sugar on Pesach? So he told her this lashon. He said to her, he said, you should not. He said it was with a lot of misgiving that he decided that the Badat should give a heksha for milk on Pesach. <laughs> but uh, he felt people were sick and people need milk and it's a staple. So, okay, so he's prepared to go that length to make sure there's a heksha for milk. But he said, when it comes to sugar, he said, I should go to Gehinnom, said, you can eat sugar? Why should I take back rice of sugar for Pesach? It's just as if you should have an extra like sugar. I heard a, a, similarly a, a friend of mine went to Moshe Sternbuch also about must have 20 years ago and he complained to him that if you look at the, what the Badat gives the Hefshaf for, for Pesach there's nothing to eat on Pesach. So Moshe told him, so what are you talking about? In the house of Hashem and Pesach we have full of food, there's lots to eat. So he says to him, okay, tell me, what do you eat on Pesach? Carrots. So Moshe said, well, there's apples and there's oranges and there's onions and there's carrots and there's tomatoes, bananas. He went through basically about a list of 15, 20 fruit and vegetables. That's the idea of Machshe for Pesach. So what's the problem? Why don't they want to... Why is it harder to find a, a good Hachshe which gives the same variety on Pesach as it did during the year? So there's two... Uh, now, having... Even though I'm starting with a question, the truth is a lot has changed. A lot has changed. More and more... Even Right. More and more you'll find every year one or two more products that... Uh, that are being, have, you'll have kosher pesach with a good haksha. Uh, so, yeah, even if people have their shitters about not eating anything in Israel and pesach, but consumer pressure makes a difference, and slowly, slowly things change. Over the past few years, they ate besides for sugar, which is already long ago that it was machsha. But then they machsha chocolate, and they machsha candies, and they machsha potato chips, and they machsha mayonnaise, and they machsha more and more things, slowly, slowly. They, they are giving haksha for pesach.
So the question is, what's the what's the rationale? What's the what are they worried about? I'm just the end specifically. I'm saying other hechshem has to show as well. What are they worried about? Why it's such a story to give a hechshem for Pesach? So there's two points. The first point is like this: the complexity of food production today is such that unless you're a factory which is just processing raw ingredients, for example, you're peeling potatoes or you're shifting chickens, but anything you're doing more complicated than that. So the complexity of food today is that it's relying on multiple ingredients which are made in all different parts of the world. Which means there isn't a single cashless organization which is big enough to oversee the entire production of the products that they're supervising. So how do they work? They rely on each other. One cashless is sending somebody to Saudi Arabia to check the ingredients in the stabilizer that's being produced there. Now, all the other cashless are relying on that, so that if this ingredient lands up in the products that they're giving hashtag to somewhere else, they'll rely on the first mishkeh from a different organization, so to speak, to, to run that discussion. And they're all doing that, because like I said, the complexity of food production is such that there's no one who's able to oversee the whole process on their own. It's, 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 first, it's not financially viable, and second, it's too complicated. Just as an example, I always give this as an example because it shows the point. If you think about the regular sliced angel's bread, Regular loaf of lechem what they call in this country, sliced angel's bread, right? Which is a hechshel of Eidah, the whole year round. So, how many ingredients do you think are in the bread? Nineteen. So, yeah, that's a wild guess. But if you think normally bread, how much do you need? Right? Uh, flour, water, yeast, maybe you want eggs. So, if, if you think you think about four or five, someone suggested nineteen. The meshkech of angel's bakery said there are over seventy ingredients, mm-hmm. over seventy ingredients in the bread between. Taste enhancers and stabilizers and uh, flavorants and whatever, antioxidants, whatever they're putting into it, there's a fortune of things not coming from Eretz Yisrael. These are all things being made in different places which are just being added in the production. So most of the uh, cashless organizations rely on each other. And if that's the case, that's why someone somewhere is checking this ingredient, someone somewhere is checking that ingredient, and together they, they rely on each other that things are kosher. When it comes to Pesach, because of, we'll see, there's, number, there's two chumras in the halach in Pesach, but also people, there's a certain tendency to be machmir, much more in Pesach than the rest of the year. So it comes to Pesach, a lot of cashless organizations such as the Eres, Haredis, and others as well, they're not prepared to rely on anybody else. Which means they'll only give a hechshot to a product that they can see the whole production from the beginning to the end on their own. And therefore, they're much more limited. Because anything which is going to be a factory produced and needs other ingredients which they didn't watch and they didn't see, they're not going to give a hechshot to not because they're saying it's harmless, but because we're, taking, we're not taking a price on Pesach. Just as an example of this. Last year, or maybe two years ago, was the first year that the Ene Haredis gave a hechshot to pepper for Pesach. Black pepper. Black pepper. You could never get pepper in Israel with a hechshot for Pesach. Two years or maybe one. Only white pepper. Right. Two, I think it was a year or two years ago, the first year they gave a hechshot to pepper. What happened? Again, pepper is not a problem. It's not harmless. It's a, it's a pepper seed, which is not a, not a problem. Except... The pepper seeds come from India. So until they decide it's worth it to send one of their mashkichim to India to oversee the production of the pepper, they weren't going to give it a hechsha. So why is white pepper always okay? I think it comes from the The second thing is, uh, what are we worried about? And that is, if all, the, all these things which are factory produced, so besides the problem of the ingredients being used right now, are not a problem. They're not, they're not common ingredients. But when you're talking about a factory, you're talking about two things. What else is being produced in the factory? And number one. And number two, how careful are the workers being that, they, that, the factory, that everything is clean? Because if the workers can touch with whatever's been done with their hands, 
Then is somebody checking to make sure that they weren't eating or they weren't eating before and at the same time. Bittul uh, is not so simple if it's uh, before Pesach. There's a there's a big discussion in the Poskim where the Bittul works for Pesach. In other words, uh, since it's Davish Eshtematerin, which means Chomets becomes Mutter again afterwards, so we don't rely on Bittul as easily by Pesach, especially not by a solid item like a crown, which still exists. Right, and therefore, there was a, the tendency of most cashless organizations is to come, is be more machmer than normal on Pesach, because even though normally we would rely on the fact that it's Bittul, or normally we would rely on the fact that the, the utensils being used haven't been used in the past 24 hours, and therefore we say that the taste which is coming from is already stale, it's time to come. But when it comes to Pesach, so neither of those Hittarim work. Uh, there's no betel and mamashos on something, or a, a, a certain amount of real chametz on Pesach, number one. And number two, uh, we, we machmir by time of Kamen Pesach too. And therefore, in order to machmir for Pesach, one needs to be that much more careful. Now, that doesn't mean they have around the world. They're not being careful. It's just a different outlook on what we're trying to do. Now, is a hashkafa that people don't need to have everything they have the whole year on Pesach, and therefore we don't need to take so to speak, uh, more risky food items and try and find them, try and match them, we'll start to stick to basics, which is more or less the hashkafa, which was the way the cashless organizations worked here, or the way they work overseas, and that is that if people want to eat it, we can give it a hashkafa Pesach, why not? And therefore you're going to find a much bigger variety and quantity of foods available in Chutzlaretz with a good hashkafa Pesach. Now, if a person relies the whole year on these hashkafas, and some of them are very good hashkafas, so then there's no reason they should rely on for Pesach too. Right, it's not a halachic difference, it's a hashkafa difference. Right? And therefore, if you rely on the, uh, whatever hashkafa is going to be as a good hashkafa, you can rely on their product as well, with two question marks, with two exceptions. The first one is, is a machlekes between the post-communist Israel and Ramosha Feinstein, and that is, what's the din of kidneyous oil? Kidneyous oil. Kidneyous, as you know, is the Chumar Ashkenazim, already brought down in the Ramah, and that is anything which has a leg- legume, which is a, or a bean, a seed, a pot, anything like that, which could be eaten or could be ground into a flour. The Chazal were machmer about either because it was stored with flour, because it could be mistaken for flour, and therefore we ask it to eat on Pesach. We also ask the oil from it to be used on Pesach. Oh, so there was so therefore the regular kidneys is corn, for example, and therefore corn oil or soya in soya oil, everybody agrees is the problem, right? The question is on three things: number one, peanuts, peanuts. Is peanuts kidneys or not? So there were a number of rabbinim in Europe who were made that before the war they used to eat peanuts on Pesach. They didn't think of peanuts as being a problem. And therefore the peanuts, they could eat the peanut itself, never mind the oil. The matter today, most places in the world are machmer on peanuts. They consider it to be something similar to a seed or a pea or whatever, it would be a bean. And therefore they would, they, most Hashem in the world today wouldn't, be, wouldn't allow peanuts on Pesach. That's the first one. The second one is... Oil from seeds which aren't edible. Oil from seeds which aren't edible. And we have two prime examples of seeds which aren't edible, and uh, they make oil. The first one is what's called canola oil. Now, canola oil isn't the name of a plant. It just means Canada oil. But uh, the, re- the real plant it comes from was called rapeseed oil originally. You can't eat the seeds. They aren't edible, but they're very rich in oil. And that's why it's one of the biggest oil-producing plants in the world. And the second one was cottonseed oil. Again, you can't eat cottonseed. By the producer of that oil. And this was the machlokas between Amosha Feinstein and the postcom over here. And that is something which is, a, is of the legend family. And therefore, one could assume it's kidneys, but it's not edible as a, as a food. It's only useful for oil. Was that included in the gazera or not? 
here in Eretz Yisrael, they were machmir on these things. They consider that since they're similar to, in, they're similar to kidneys, to the, that kind of plant, so therefore they were machmir on oil as well. But Moshe Steiner was, it's something which you can't eat. And therefore, it, there, was no, there was nothing to go on the food. Then there won't go on the oil either. Which is why. The Echshayim in America all rely on kidneys, or what they call in this country, kidneys oil. And therefore, even the Pesach products from Kedem or Geffen or all the, all the companies which have a good Heksha, they're relying on cottonseed oil or they're relying on canola oil because they're whole, you can't eat these things. If a person's machmer, like the shittas of the person who makes the so then you should be careful not to eat them in Pesach because to feed the day of the shit of the most person over here, these things would be kidneys. And therefore, in Eretz Israel, the only oils which are available are fruit oils. Fruit oils, I mean either olive oil, which comes from a fruit, or olive, or nut oil. Walnut oil, hazelnut oil, whatever it's going to be, because it comes from a nut. Or palm oil, which also comes from a tree. Wherever, those are, but all vegetable oils, in Eretz Yisrael, they're machmiran, because they consider them to be kidneys. They give ashkoch to foods, which aren't necessarily problematic foods. What they're worried about is, the possibility that maybe somebody was involved, or wasn't, wasn't keeping the standards they want, not to be touch chomets, but is there really a chashash like that? Not really. Right. And therefore, if a food like that isn't a problem. The problem foods, are all the factory-produced foods. Because then very often they're using chomets because it's a very useful thing to have. It acts as a binder, it acts as a stabilizer, it acts as a, a filler, whatever it's going to be. And therefore, soups, sauces, powders, uh, all these kinds of things are kimat for sure going to have chomets in them. And therefore, you can't just say, well, what's this? just a spice mix. Whatever it is, why should I be chomets to chomets? Things like that you do have to be chomets to. It's very likely there's going to be chomets in them. Whereas, like I said, naturally produced raw foods, fish, chicken, meat, or things like that, it's very unlikely it's going to be chomets. Okay, so that's as far as that, that point goes. Um, one more point I want to say about Hachsharim. And that is, again, everyone has their own chumras for Pesach, and if a person has their, their certain chumras, they, obviously it's the family chumras, not saying not to keep it. But as far as, if a person doesn't have specific chumras, there's nothing wrong with relying on a good Hachsharim for Pesach products as well. Um, if a, now, if a person wants to be machmir, the place which it's most important to be machmir on is on matzahs. Is on matzahs. The matzah is the thing closest you're getting to chomets for the whole Pesach. Because you're talking about a flour-water mixture, and if something goes wrong, then it's going to be chomets. You're not avoiding the flour, you're not avoiding the water, you're using them. And therefore, if a person is looking for a malcolm to be machmir, to be careful in Pesach, is to make sure the matzahs you're using is, have a good hechsha. Or it's done by a who are very careful, because it's, it's very possible for problems to happen. And uh, the problem is by matters that if a problem happens, then it becomes Ramamish Khamer. I'll give you quickly two stories. This is to prove this point. Those people who are on hand matters, those people who are machine matters. Again, the system is meant to work well, but there have been problems with both. Uh, for example, a certain hand matter bakery where I was involved. So the biggest problem with the hand matter bakeries is people's hands. Right? You, you're touching the dough, you're mixing it, you're playing with it, wherever it is. You have to make sure there's no residue of dough on your hands, and you have nails, wherever it's going to be. Because if there is that residue, it's going to become chametz. And therefore, what, the, what every hand chabura does is that every 18 minutes, everyone goes and scrubs their hands well and washes them and makes sure that they're dry and clean before they start the next round. There was one chabura that decided they're going to be a machmir, and they appointed a mashkiach, and his job was to take a, like a brush and brush under people's nails to make sure it was clean. Um... Not a bad idea, except the Matthias was, the Matthias was that after repeatedly being brushed under the nails with a, like a, a sharp brush, people's start, fingers start to bleed. Mm-hmm. Now, the halacha is, a human blood is machmit in a second. 
And therefore, any one of those workers who would now get involved, that realizing that his fingers were starting to bleed, would render whatever mass he touched Muhammad immediately. There's no 18 minutes for blood. It, that is, is, is Muhammad's miyam. And therefore, it's something to be aware of. So a person's hands have a cut or a scratch or whatever it is, or the repeated washing or scrubbing, whatever it is, is starting to cause his fingers to bleed. You can't work anymore. He's going to make everything into Muhammad. Same thing, there was a story with a certain uh, machine bakery, it actually has a bedat yaksha, and the way the, the bakery worked, the, the factory was set up, was one of the requirements we need for matzahs, is that the water has to be left overnight. Right? We don't want it to cool down, so we have the principle of maim shalano, we have to keep the water overnight, right? detached from the ground so it will cool down. So the way this factory worked is that downstairs, they kept the water in a big tank, upstairs in the matzah bakery, you can't keep them in the same place, and they had a pump. And every time they wanted to bring up water to the to the bakery upstairs, so the pump was pressed, it, it caused the water to go up the tube to the uh, factory floor, and it was working. And there was almost a group of people which were checking out this uh, matzah bakery, and one of them accidentally touched the pipe that the water, of the water coming up towards the top, and he burnt his hand on it. So it doesn't make sense. So we went to check what happened. And what happened was that the, the pump was using an electric pump to pump up the water. The side of the motor was touching the, the pipe. And therefore the friction of the, of the motor against the pipe made it hot. But as a result, it was pumping up hot water. Hot water is almost immediately. So we have the hot reduction straight. And that's what I'm saying. When it comes to matter, that's the market to be extra careful because a little mistake in the matter could render everything correct. The other products, like you said, natural products, are much less likely to be problematic. If a person avoids... Uh, Things produced in factories with multiple ingredients, which is, unless it has a good ashkocha, then that's, that's also uh, something we have to be careful about. But, like I said, number one, matzahs, number two, factory products, but the natural products you have, uh, like we spoke about before, are much less likely to be a problem. There are those people who have a chumrah not to use fruit or vegetables in Pesach that you can't peel. Everything, peel. The only, only, only things that you can peel, which means they won't use tomatoes and they won't use. Uh, uh, Fruits and things like that, or peppers, because you can't you can't peel them, and maybe chums touch the surface of the fruit. It's a it's a possibility, but it's a very very rare possibility. And especially even if there would be chums which touch the fruit, you could wash it off. It's likely going to be cold chums. So unless a person has such a minag, there isn't really a halachic requirement not to not to be allowed to use fresh fruit and vegetables. Similarly, there are those people who have a chum in Eretz Yisrael to not to use water on Pesach. They take a big water tank before Pesach, they fill it up with water, and they only use water from the tank, not from the tap. What's the problem with, with the water? They worry that the Nusach always used to go, they worry that maybe somebody threw a piece of bread into the Kinneret. And the bread will disintegrate into the water. And like we said, there's no betel on Pesach, so maybe there's one minuscule crumb which is arriving in my water, and therefore I'd much rather keep water before Pesach and not use water on Pesach. There was such a chumrah. Whether it was justified then or not, that's a good question. But one thing I can say clearly is if in Yishalayim today, there's absolutely no reason for this Khumra. And the reason is because our water doesn't come from the Kinneret. The water system in Yishalayim comes completely from the desalination plant in Ashdod, which means all the water you're getting has really been reconstituted seawater. And it's the whole system that from the, from the desalination plant until it gets pumped in pipes to Yishalayim, it doesn't touch human hands. The whole thing is mechanical. They're still using the salvage that, that The whole system's built like that. We don't have a patch from the canary tree anymore. Right? And therefore, and therefore, the master says there's no heaven of, of food getting into your water. And therefore, like I said, even if a person wants to have such a chumra, or had such a chumra, the master today, and the materials we have now, there's no real possibility of something happening in the water that it's a, it's a sealed system that uh, 
that's uh, worried about chametz in it. The reason the bulldog without agav wasn't for chametz. They're worried about poisoning or contamination. And that's why they built a system which no one can get into so that no one can contaminate the water. But by the same principle, no one can put chametz in the water either. Okay, so that's what's negated to... That's what's negated to the water. Um, two more points. Two more points. And that is... Um, when it comes to all the various wines and beverages and things like that, so again, the, the most of them, and this is obviously some which is grain-based, most of them are kosher for Pesach. The one thing to be careful of is liqueurs. Liqueurs. Liqueurs or brandies or things like that. And the reason for that is, is if you're talking about a natural wine or something like that, or a natural drink, so then you know what the ingredients are. Wine will come from grapes and other things will come from... The, when you come to liqueur, the way it's produced is that they have to have a, a, like something to ferment as a base, and then they add the flavoring afterwards. So for example, you're talking about chocolate liqueur. Chocolate isn't what's fermenting. They're using a, a alcohol of something else, and they're adding the flavoring to the alcohol. Or and so a lot of the sort of a lot of the other like uh, more cocktails, like the, the drinks which have added flavor. It wasn't the original. It wasn't the original base of alcohol, which is which is coming from the drink. Wine and the grapes was producing alcohol. Uh, but all these other drinks, they have an alcohol base, and then they're adding the flavoring to the alcohol. Now, if that's the case, a person has to be careful. Because if it's a, you don't know what the alcohol base is, it's very likely to be a grain-based alcohol. And the reason is because it's cheap. That's, uh, grape-based alcohol is more expensive. If it doesn't know, it could very likely be chomets, the same thing with vodka. Vodka, the original vodka is potato vodka, which is okay. But the mice, there are vodkas which are using a grain-based alcohol, in which case... The mamish also, right? There even vinegars which are a problem, because depending on what they're using to ferment to start the process of baking the, acid, the acetic acid, which is vinegar, there are grain-based vinegars also, and therefore things like this, a person can't assume that like what could be wrong with vinegar, right? The mice they could be using grain products in them, and if these things for sure one can only buy with the action. Now that's as far as that's as far as food goes. When it comes to non-food products, let's divide it quickly into three categories. The first one is things which are coming into contact with food. If things which are coming into contact with foods, then you have to be careful because if there would be a possibility of chomets, then the chomets is going to meet the food. Like so, therefore, dish soaps, uh, disposable plates and cups and saucers and tins, tinfoil pans and all these things. You're touching your foods. You have to make sure there's no problem of chomets there. Where is there likely to be a problem? So, Lamaisa is the way the plastic is produced today. Uh, there's no chomets in plastic. It doesn't touch chomets. It's a, the, the, it's, the chomets are producing plastic plates and plastic cups and plastic uh, knives and forks and spoons. There's no food there. It's just petrocarbon, uh, chemicals. That's, that's all they're using. Uh, same thing today. The, the, the company's producing aluminum foil pans or tin foil pans, whatever you call them. There's no food. It's, 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 a, it's a sheet metal which is being produced, mass produced, and cut into shape. Sorry? You make one side shiny. Oh, the problem is the paper products. The paper products. Paper plates or the cups they use, like what they call for hot, hot drinks, they're paper cups. Paper's a problem because sometimes they use starch to thicken the paper. And therefore, paper, paper products or the tinfoil pans which have one side paper, things like that, you do need a hash because you have to make sure they're not putting starch inside. And this is already brought in the Mishnah Pure plastic, pure metal, there's no hashash. Plast- I mean, paper things could be a hashash. That, that's what needs a hash but the aluminum foil, one side is dull, one side is shiny. They buff it with some compound. They're buffering it with chemicals uh, or with uh, what's it called? It's not it's not uh, oh. fuel oils. It's uh, mechanical oils. Oh. Right. That's the 
That's as far as pans go. When it comes to toothpaste, it also needs a hashtag for Pesach. Number one, you put it in your mouth. And number two, there are toothpaste which have starch. And therefore, it's a problem. Now, what about uh, shampoos and shower gels and these kinds of things? Most of them are completely chemical compounds. There's no, there's no of, of anything food being inside. If you have a certain naturally enriched uh, mixture which has oats in it, which has wheat germ in it, then it's a shayla. But if, it, if you look at the ingredients and everything is, uh, looks like something kind of unpronounceable chemical, right, it's probably what it is. And therefore, it's probably okay. Now, the question is always asked... Oh, so we'll the, the question is always asked, uh, what, why, why, why are these things a problem? No dog is eating perfume. No dog is eating uh, shower gel or shampoo or any of these things. And the answer is that the, the test of a dog is how much something's gone rotten, which means food which is rotted to the stage where a dog won't eat it, so it's not considered as useful anymore. No one this is bottle. Mashankin, here we're not talking about food. So if that's the case, it has a value as something else, not food. So I don't care about the dog anymore because it's, it's not rotten. It's useful for what it is. What the Chazanish calls Akshaveh. I want it for what it is. And that's okay. Since it's useful for what it is, it's not in the stage of being spoiled to the extent that no one will use it. You will use it. You want to use it. And therefore, if there would be comments in these things, there would be a problem. So like I said, the main problems are oats and wheat jam. Those are the ingredients which are for sure comments. If you see everything's chemical, it's okay. The question is when it says alcohol. It has an alcohol base. Because what's the alcohol base coming from? So sometimes it tells you, sometimes it tells you ethyl alcohol or whatever alcohol, then you can tell where alcohol is. If it doesn't tell you, then it's something which is good to check. Uh, there are product listings from a number of cashless organizations that will tell you, that will go through all the cosmetics and all these kinds of things and tell you which ones they've checked and the, 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 even the alcohol bases aren't coming from a grain alcohol. But uh, norm, more and more they're not because there's, for various like, health reasons or people have allergies to these things, they don't use them so much anymore, but that's for sure something which is worth checking. Um, that's as far as cosmetics go. There's still a reason to be more careful a little bit of these things because you're still using them on your body. In other words, and therefore there would be a chashash that getting hanoah from chametz would also be an issue. Now, talking about things which don't touch food and don't touch your body, such as garbage bags and that kind of thing, right, there's no reason in the world to worry about it. Right? There, there isn't, the, the garbage bag isn't made out of chametz. The fact that the work in the factory didn't wash his hands well enough, if that would be the chashash, so what? It's not something you're coming to eat, it's not something you're coming to touch, it's not something you're going to use. But, and things like that, therefore, Ba'atim don't really need a heksha. You could, by that kind of thing, you could buy for Pesach without a heksha, it would also be good. Okay, again, if people want to be more macro in Pesach, it's normally an area where people try to feel that you know, for one week they can be the, go the extra mile. Just like the original shit of the Eidech Haredis, if you want to manage a week for Pesach without sugar, if people want to be macro, no one complains about it. But if a person wants to avail himself to other Eidech available, which are good Eidech or rely on those things which aren't chomets, or don't have chomets there, and therefore you don't really need the hechsha, there's no grounds not to do that.